Welcome to AACS Today, the official podcast of the American Association of Christian Schools. Hello, and thank you for joining us on this episode of AACS Today. Yes, it has been a little while since we have recorded an episode for you, but we are trying to uh, bring you information that is pertinent and relevant to you. And we have some things to share that we feel like uh, you may be wondering about. And so we want to help bring some clarity to those things. And my name, once again, Matt Tiskis, Regional Director for the Mid-South Region of the AACS. Glad to have you joining us on this episode. And want to introduce the man who needs no introduction. That's our Legislative Director, working very diligently in the uh, city of Washington, D.C., Jameson, as you were describing the occupied city of Washington, D.C., I believe you said. does feel like a little bit of an occupied city right now. Um, you know, I was sharing with you, Matt, that there's uh, military checkpoints being set up around the Capitol Hill area where we work, and uh, uh, 20,000 or so National Guardsmen, and they're armed, so they're not just uh, there for crowd control. They're there for... Uh, uh, defensive purposes, I suppose. So yeah, interesting times, uh, complex times, uh, concerning times for us here in our city, but still working to faithfully represent the interests of our Christian schools and <clears throat> the really essential work that we're doing uh, for, uh, for our students, for our families, uh, for the future of our country. Yeah, so we're recording this episode. It's, it's just a week after January 6th. And just a week before uh, the inauguration, so tens times in D.C., but we appreciate the good work you're doing. Let's dive into the purpose of our podcast, and we, we want to discuss uh, a recent COVID relief bill and how it impacts our schools. And the bill that we're talking about is the Coronavirus Response and Relief Supplemental Appropriations Act, also known as CRRSA. It was signed into law right at the end of 2020, December 30 or 31st, can't, don't recall off the top of my head. Uh, but Jameson, we want to share what this means for our schools. So uh, let's dive in. Let's, let's just take kind of a high view of uh, what we're looking at with this bill. Very good. Yeah. You know, when we were together last time, Matt, um, matter of fact, many of the times that we uh, put podcasts together, or to talk about the different uh, relief bills and how they impacted our schools, how they uh, could benefit our schools, uh, cautions for our schools. And we're coming to you now with the most recent COVID relief bill. And, and you mentioned uh, the CRRSA. I don't know. I've not heard it called the CRISA, uh, but, but that's kind of uh, what the acumen, a, uh, acronym might sound like if you try to pronounce it. But it's the most recent uh, relief bill passed by our Congress, signed by our president, and there are some helps for the private school community in that overall relief bill. It looks like we've got th kind of three um, overarching kind of, I don't want to say buckets to talk about, but and we can kind of think of them as three separate things all under this one kind of, kind of sub- uh, bill. That's probably not the right term. I'm, I'm messing that up royally. Yeah, three, but three, No, three provisions. Uh, there you you go. Know, a, lot, a lot of people heard about the bill because um, many people were upset that a lot of this, the money in this bill actually went overseas. It was called a, a COVID relief bill. There were $600 direct payments individually to taxpayers. Um, 
And so there was a lot to the bill, but the three provisions that are most interesting to us as a school association are the ones we'll talk about today. Okay, so we've got the Emergency Assistance to Non-Public Schools Program, also uh, called EANS. Mm -hmm. Um, We have the GEARS Program, the Governor's Emergency Education Relief Program, G-E-E-R-S, and then one that our schools uh, are probably familiar with already, the Paycheck Protection uh, Program, the PPP loans are also have been, I guess, uh, as we could say, plus plus upped in uh, yeah. in this bill. So maybe we kind of tackle these uh, kind of one at a time, Jameson, sure. and kind of to talk about them. So should we yeah. start with well, which one do you want to start with? Well, uh, I, I guess I'll just jump in. You know, we have the EANS, the E A N S. And that is uh, specifically emergency assistance to non-public schools. So that's a set-aside amount of money. I think uh, it was $2.75 billion uh, specifically for private school, the private school community. And, and that was something that private schools advocated for. Uh, they talked to members of the House and Senate about the impact, the economic impact that uh, the response to COVID has had on private schools. Uh, we did not get uh, the things that we asked for, but it was an improvement from what was offered by the House in the first place. The House was uh, didn't want any money to go to the private school community or private school families or students, uh, but we were able to get concessions that resulted in this EANS program. And uh, again, it's a set-aside amount of money that the states, so the states will get money for education and they have to set aside a portion of that that will be determined by a formula that takes into account uh, multiple things within a state. But they'll, they'll get a, a, a bucket of money in their state that they must use for private education, for, for private schools. Now, there's a couple of important caveats with that. And that is that your governor in your your state has to request these funds. So he has to, uh, uh, well, first and foremost, hear from the private school community where they say, listen, we've been impacted economically by the uh, COVID response. And we want you as our governor to request these private school funds. So that's the first thing because governors have to request these funds before February 8th, 2021. So there's a short time window right now for the private school community to get on the phone with their governor's office and say, the private school community has suffered economic harm. We want you to participate in this uh, emergency assistant to non-public schools program. And some first step. And and some states may see it, Jameson, as advantageous to not participate in this program. And we don't want to assume any nefarious motives from some who might be in a governor's chair or governor's office. But it is important that the bottom line is, it is important for schools to reach out to let the governor's office know, hey, there are schools out there that are interested in learning more about this and would encourage the governor to participate, correct? Correct. And and to your point, we have seen in this last year of COVID response multiple times where um, directives and public health orders have been steered by the public school community in such a way that does hurt private schools. And so uh, we do want to advocate for the private school community, and we want to get on the phone with the governor and make sure that he hears from us 
the uh, the injury, the economic injury that has occurred because of shutdown orders, because of a response, a public response to the COVID um, um, uh, crisis. And so it's important because if your government, the governor doesn't hear from you, he may not request those private school funds by February 8th. And uh, then the program will not be funded within your state if your governor doesn't request those funds. Right. So in Texas, we've already heard our governor's planning to apply and uh, we were actually contacted. I say we are a private school association here was contacted by the TEA saying, hey, congratulations. It looks like uh, private schools uh, are going to have some money. Uh, to be able to to use from COVID. I doubt in a state like, let's say, New York, that the same type of relationship exists between some of the private school groups and uh, the state education agency or the governor's office. So again, it just yeah. under underscores the point of what you just said. Now, Jameson, what, what kind of things are um, available for reimbursement under under this program? Yeah, so this is a program, again, it's not direct funding to schools, and that's important, but it is funding that covers categories of expenses that private schools have had in in providing um, an effective response to the COVID crisis. So it's things you might expect. Uh, We've got a white paper outlining these, but let me go through some of them. Cleaning and disaffecting supplies, a personal protective equipment for your teachers and students. Um, improved ventilation and air purification, staff training on the con- uh, spread uh, on containing the spread of infectious uh, diseases, physical barriers uh, that were needed for social distancing. I could go on. I think there are 14 uh, categories or so of things that can be reimbursed, but you get the sense of it that this is all related to the extra costs that schools have incurred to try to protect their community. Um, from uh, what has been called um, a public health crisis, a pandemic. So there's so, there's an important point to remember, though. So going forward, schools that are reimbursed for things that they will purchase or that they will use that are purchased uh, by the, the state education agency or the governor's office, however those purchases are handled, that does not make a school recipient of, a recipient of uh, federal financial assistance. However, there is some question because the provision – makes it possible to get reimbursement for things purchased all the way back to March of 2020. So there is some question around that. So give us what um, AACS is recommending, how our schools should, should think about those expenses. Yeah, it's very clear in the law that this is a reimbursement program. Uh, there's language that makes it clear that funds have to remain in the state education agency's hands, right? So the, the government officials are the ones that have to uh, spend the money. They have to pay the bills. Now, they could choose to do that by cutting you a check at your ministry. They could say, listen, you go out and buy what you need under these guidelines and uh, send us the receipt and we'll give you the check. Now, you won't be considered a recipient of, of federal financial assistance if that happens. But there's a question that we're still trying to find the answer to. But right now, the private school community is recommending that if you request reimbursement for expenses you had in these categories all the way back to March of last year, and you get a check for reimbursement for those things, it may open you up to being considered a recipient of federal financial assistance. So what we're saying is any expense you had from when this new law, the CRRSA, was passed in December, moving forward, we're confident you won't be considered the recipient of federal financial assistance. 
but there's an open question as to because the law does allow schools to request reimbursement all the way back to March of last year. There's a question of what might happen if you get reimbursement for any expenses you had prior to the passage of this appropriations law. And so right now we're, we're, we're recommending to our schools don't ask for reimbursement for previous purchases. And that would be previous to the passage of this law at the end of December but only request if your state chooses to use a reimbursement protocol instead of a direct buy or something like that from their stockpile or from their vendors. If they say you purchase it and we'll reimburse you, uh, don't do that uh, for any expense that occurred prior to the passage of this law. Okay. So again, we want to encourage you to contact your governor's office. We also want to encourage you to connect with your state education agency to let them know that there are, private schools who are interested in participating. Uh, what that will probably do is get you on a list of interested parties and therefore put some political pressure on, on the governors to participate in this program. Because again, we want to remind you, February 8th is when the governors have to request uh, for their state to participate in this program. So that's kind of the deadline that we're working on. So just under a month away from when we're recording this episode, on uh, January 13th. Now there is a priority, Jameson, for a particular uh, type of uh, student. Help us understand that. Yeah, two things. Let's cover another deadline. Uh, Another part of the provision of the bill that we're watching is that the the money set aside under the EAN's program, the Emergency Assistance to Non-Public Schools, has to be spent within six months. So your governor's gonna request it, it'll be delivered, It'll be uh, accounted for, allocated to the expenses of the private school community. And then any funds which are not spent in that six-month period revert back to that GEARS program you mentioned earlier, the Government's Emergency Education Relief Fund. And so, again, th- there's, there's a concern. You know, bu- bureaucracy sometimes moves slowly. And if there's an incentive for money not to be spent in the po- in the private school community because that money will revert back to the control of the governor for any education expense. There's a little bit of a concern that uh, some of these programs may slow walk um, the, the distribution of those funds. So what we're saying is beware of these dates, beware of the guidelines and be involved, like connect with your uh, state education agencies and your governor's office to make sure that there's accountability on this money that is intended to help the needs of private school, the private school community, the families we serve, and the expenses created by the pandemic. And the priority will be given for or to low-income students. Yeah, yeah. There's a provision that this is intended primarily to help low-income students. And so as a school, one of the bits of information you uh, should be looking at uh, because it will probably will form some amount of uh, a question. There, there will be some question about either even amount of funding that your school may qualify for based on the percentage of low-income students that your ministry serves. I know our schools don't always keep information on that, and rightly so, right? Uh, every child is worthy of our uh, utmost attention and efforts. However, when it comes to deciding how to spend taxpayers' monies, uh, our elected officials have decided that low-income families should be 
uh, primarily the ones that benefit from this program. So uh, making some of those calculations will be helpful for you to make your case uh, to participate in the program. And uh, I should say now that we sent a white paper out on this mat. So we're talking through some of these provisions in a podcast format to help our, help our folks out. But there is an official document on our website, aacs.org. And that has links to a number of the documents that exist already um, to help educate our folks about the provisions of the program. So we're not doing a deep dive on all the ins and outs, the, you know, what calculation they use to determine what level of the federal, you know, poverty limit that they'll consider low income, et cetera, et cetera. All of that, though, is in the documents for our people to um, investigate should it apply to their ministry. Okay. So we just kind of walk through the, the EANS provision uh, Jameson, what else would we want to say about the other two provisions, the GEARS program and then the reauthorization of the PPP loans? Of course, the PPP loans are schools uh, will be much more familiar with. Many of them may have right. participated in those programs earlier. So what other distinctions, distinctions would we want to draw out from the, those other two provisions? Yeah, so the GEARS uh, funding is much more flexible. Um, you might remember, our, our listeners might remember, that in the last go-around, uh, some states try to use that GEAR fund to do scholarships. Right. Um, and the, the federal government limited that in this go-around. I think they can uh, fund commitments they've already made under those programs that were allowed, and there's some narrow caveats, but they can't just turn that money into scholarship funds uh, like some states tried to last time. That being said, though, governors still have a lot more flexibility in the GEARS program. And so what our recommendation is, is to contact your governor's office. Uh, Last time, some governors used it for higher ed expenses. Uh, They can address any educational issue in their state or, or many educational issues in their state that were impacted by COVID with those funds. And again, the money that's not spent by the private school community in the EANS program does revert back into that gear funding. And so the governors will have a little more flexibility in that. Now, there's a provision before I go to PPP, there's a provision in the law that says you have to pick one of these programs to participate in. So you can't, uh, you can't participate in more than one of these moving forward. So you have to decide if the PPP program moving forward is, is what would benefit your ministry. If the GEARS program that your governor lines out, you know, you say, oh, no, 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 that would be of most help to our school in our state. Or the EANS uh, provision is more helpful. You can't participate in two uh, of those programs, only one. And the caveat to that, of course, is if you've already taken PPP loans in the earlier round, that won't prohibit prohibit you from participating in this new round of funding. So the, the the fact that you can only participate in one of these programs exists only for this new authorization. It doesn't reach back. So if you participated in GEARS previously or you participated in PPP previously, you're not excluded from participating in one of these programs moving forward. You just can't participate in more than one of these programs moving forward. Okay, gotcha. So again, we do want to, point you to that white paper that we have put together because that can get us into the weeds a little more than perhaps we want to do here on this podcast. But we we mainly want to bring this to you because we do have that deadline approaching, that February 8th deadline 
that will be important. So get in touch with your governor's office, get in touch with your uh, state education agency, uh, wrap your head around which of these programs, if any, are, are ones that you want to participate in. You're going to have to pick one. And then Jameson, of course, all the guidelines as, as seems to be typical that we've experienced lately are not totally developed yet. Those are still um, being developed from the department. Obviously we know you can only pick one, but we expect more guidelines coming in the near future. Yes. So we've been very close to our friends in the department of ed and they are, as you can imagine, with what, uh, seven or eight days left, uh, seven days left in, in the president's term, uh, they're working feverishly to wrap this up um, before they uh, are no longer employed by the Department of Ed. And so we do expect guidelines from the department any day now on this program. And we will, of course, send those out along with any updates to the program that will be helpful to our people. So, uh, you know, our, our final... Um, admonition to our schools is uh, be engaged, look for updates, be, be on the lookout for the guidelines, go to our website, look at the white paper, look at the links that have already been provided there of helpful resources to get yourself familiar with these programs to decide if they are a good fit for your ministry and if they'll be a help with these expenses that have been incurred uh, during the response to COVID. And uh, do that early, do it this week, and do it as often as it takes to make sure that your voice is heard and that you're well-informed about the program so that you can make an informed decision about whether or not to participate. Okay. So, Jameson, I think that kind of wraps this episode up right there with what you just said. And is there anything else you want to add as we as we close down this episode of AACS today? Always good to talk to you. Uh, appreciate all of your work, Matt, getting these podcasts out. We continually hear back from our folks that this is a helpful way to communicate. And so we're happy to do it. We're happy. We're privileged to work for the schools that we represent and uh, continue to pray for us as we pray for you during uh, trying times. Uh, we know that, that our work is to protect your work. And we're privileged to do it. So, so you know, my, my heart is in Christian education. And I just, I pray that our people are encouraged in continuing to work in the uh, field and the mission that God has called us all to. So privileged to talk to you today. Thanks for what you do. And thanks to all our school leaders and teachers and families that have come together to uh, carry out our, our great commission in Christian education. And with that, we will sign off for this episode. Thanks for listening. Again, we're trying to bring you information as it's timely. So we haven't just been pumping information to you unnecessarily. We felt it was important to share this with you uh, today. We haven't done a podcast in a little while. So uh, please take action on the things that we mentioned today. And as always, reach out if you have any questions. It's certainly our pleasure to serve you. Have a wonderful day, wonderful week, and God bless each and every one. Mm-hmm.